Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Uh, today, Rochelle, we are going to build an app, or we're going to fake build an app. We're going to go through all the steps of what it looks like to build an app. So this will be a very tech-related tech, tech one. Yes, hooray. It should be exciting. And uh, Rochelle, I was very excited when you suggested this topic, uh, especially because the app we are going to be building is going to be a bingo app, and bingo oh. is very fun. In, in rehab, um, that's all we do is play bingo. And we play <laughs> cards, you know, and so very, very fun, but very, very, not very challenging. So I can't wait to see how to build a digital bingo app. That's, love it. So, so awesome. do, if we, what's the first thing you recommend we do when we start thinking about developing an app? So the very first thing is thinking about like, what's this app going to do? And when we think about bingo, when I was originally thinking this, I was like, yeah, 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 bingo. Like you got a tile, you got, you got a bunch of tiles. Those tiles have numbers on them and you got to like get the numbers in a row, whether it's a row or a column or diagonal. And then like optionally, I think some people do it with the four corners as well. Uh, they do. There are tons of bingo options. The more prolific you are about bingo, you know, like there are inside four corners. There are uh, a T, make a, t a capital T. You know, there, there are lots of them, but the most basic ones are what you said, diagonally, horizontally, vertically, four corners. Those are the most basic. Interesting. So there we go. I learned even something new uh, already, and we're only like 30 seconds into this podcast. <laughs> so like the way that I like to think about it is like you, everybody can probably visualize a bingo card in your head and the uh, what you do when you're playing bingo. But when you want to make that into an app, you really have to like break it down into the smallest of steps. So right off the bat, like the one thing you need in bingo, or I guess the first thing you need in bingo is a bingo card, right? right. you got to get a card. So in the computer world, there's not really such thing as a give me a bingo card, right? That doesn't exist. What does exist are lists of numbers. So for bingo, if we break like a bingo card itself down into its basics, what it really is, is a grid of five numbers, uh, five numbers wide and five numbers tall. So we but could say it. With the exception of the free space. So the free exactly. space is another component. So exactly. You, well, yes, it is. You can use it diagonally, horizontally, and vertically. So the free space, so numbers one through 75 plus the free space. Yep. Yep, exactly. And that free space is always going to be in the middle of the grid. Uh, right. At least for the popular bingo games. I don't know if they have some that aren't in the middle of the grid. <laughs> no. And then your columns. So B goes 1 through 15. Mm -hmm. I goes I 16 through 30. Then N, N31 through N45. G, 46 to... Uh, 60, I think. Right, 60. And then 61 to 75. Yep. So and this is... 
it's very important that they're that way. So like um, a lot of times people, somebody call, they might not say I-16, they'll just say 16 and they're looking for it in the B-roll. It's not there. So those columns and those numbers are very important to success in the game. I'm yes. sure you know that already. Uh, I only knew that recently because when I went through this process of like, how would we actually do it? Uh, you know, I'd never really even thought about it that much. I assumed they were just random numbers between like zero and 99 or maybe one and 99 uh, throughout the board, just scattered about. Uh, but then at one point, it, so that's how I sort of did it in the first place was we say, okay, we're going to have five rows with five columns plus the free space in the middle. And each of those tiles is going to have a coordinate. So like B1 is a coordinate. Uh, I2 would be a coordinate. C3, all of gotcha. those. Gotcha. Uh, and I was assuming like, oh, those are all just random numbers. But then when I eventually like Googled what are the rules of bingo, that's when I saw like, oh, they're not just random. They are in columns. So each column can be one of 15 numbers. Uh with the B-I-N-G-O columns, all of which are columns in those rows. So building the card wasn't super difficult. It's really just a table, a table of rows with spaces. Uh, and I'm gonna refer to those spaces as spaces or tiles. It's, in my brain, they work more as like tiles. They're this thing on a grid that has certain properties. Uh, so one of those properties is going to be the location. Like, is it in the first position of the first row or the fifth position of the fifth row or anywhere in between? Uh, another property of that tile is, did I mark it off? Like, did I put my bingo stamp on there or is it uh, empty? And then the last property will be the actual number on there. So uh the number one through 15 or 16 through 30 or 31 through 45 uh, in every column. So now instead of just a, you know, table of numbers, we have a table of these tiles and the tiles represent the state of this uh, bingo card. Um, so can I ask a question there? Mm -hmm. so, um, I'm playing and the bingo caller called B5 mm -hmm. and B4. Now, in most bingo games, especially the simple ones, they let you unmark B4. But if you mark B5, you cannot unmark it if that's the right number. So it becomes permanent. So if the caller says it's B5 and you mark B5, there's nothing you can do to undo it once you mark it. Now, but if the caller says B5 and you mark B4, you can unmark B4. You know, Interesting. And that's true in any column. So in other words playing digital bingo you can't win so like let's just say you got b4 b5 b8 b11 and b12 if you have b4 marked and they didn't call it and you call bingo you can't win right so a lot of times that's what happens especially like if you were playing lot bingo in person like somebody will hear say, suppose they say b14 and somebody just heard the four and so mm -hmm. they were marked four and if they call bingo live you, you have to read your numbers back. So you say these numbers and they say, oh, no, before it's not a valid number. And so you don't win and they continue the game. But in digital bingo, the only answer to that is that you, you can unmark before. And there is a, a table, if you will, 
using your word, over to the right, it shows all the numbers that have been called to date. Mm -hmm. So then you'll go back and say, okay, B4 was not called, and I can uncheck it. Now, if you leave it checked, there's nothing wrong with leaving it checked. It, you just won't have a bingo if you think you've got bingo vertically or whatever. You just won't have, and I don't know if that's helpful, but. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely is. And that's something that uh, I did not know about bingo, but it would be an easy way to put it in there. And like when we're talking about marking the cards, like, you know, in real life, you mark a card with an actual marker and put it on the you're putting ink on a sheet of paper. We're not doing that in the digital world. So in the digital world, the property, which in my app, I just called marked is a Boolean operator, which just means it's a true or it's a false. Right. Uh, yes. or no. Exactly. Exactly. And when you uh, mark a spot, uh, you're toggling that Boolean on, on if it's off and off if it's on. So if you select tile A1 and press the space bar to do the toggle, if it's not selected, it'll select it. And if it is selected, it will deselect it. Uh, but based off of what you're saying with the rules, what that should actually be is you can't deselect it if it is a valid number. So if, if it's it, one of those numbers that's been called. Right. If it's true, you cannot deselect it. If it's right. false, you can deselect it. Or, you know, if it's no, you can deselect it. Right. Right. Uh, so the next and step. So once. One more, all right. One more thing. Mm -hmm. So. The rule has to say that if B5 is a valid number, it has some check to make sure it's correct. So the, the program has to say this is a valid number. Now, if it is not, it knows that it's not. So that table over there that shows all the numbers that's been called to date has to match your yes and no. So if mm -hmm. this B5, somehow or another, you've got to get your table to recognize that B5 has been called. Yep. And so the way that we do that in this app is we have a uh, list of the, I call it a list or an array. In the computer world, a list or an array is just a sequence of items. So in this, we would have a list of numbers that have been called. So we would have like B1, C2, or there's no C in the word bingo. <laughs> B1, uh, N30, blah, 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 blah in just a, a static list. And then when we wanted to unmark something, we would say, hey, is the thing you're trying to unmark in this list of valid things? And if it is, you can't unmark it. We're going to give you an error or we're just going to leave it marked and you're going to have to know that that is not available. Right. Uh, so the other thing I found interesting, so once we have that, we have the grid, we have these tiles with all of these properties, and we can actually put marks on them. Uh, the next thing that came up for me was like, okay, well, how do we know when someone has a bingo? Like, if you're using your human eyeballs, you can look and see when a row is full, or when a column is full, or if the diagonal is full. Computers don't have eyeballs, so they can't do that. So we have to break that down into uh, computer terms. So since we already have our grid, which is just uh, five lists with uh, five rows with five columns, it becomes very easy to see uh, if any of that is marked in a bingo pattern. For instance, if we look at a row 
and every every tile in that row is marked that's an instant bingo that's one that's the quickest way in our app to see if someone has a bingo if we want to look at the rows or i'm sorry the columns so if we want to see if someone has a uh, vertical bingo we iterate through every row and we ensure that the that one position is marked in every row so if our i column is the one that we've got the bingo on the computer program is going through every row and looking at the second item in each of those rows. And if the second item in each of those rows is marked, that's a bingo or that's an attempted bingo. The diagonal was a little bit uh, harder <laughs> because with the diagonal, it's not all of one thing, one way or the other, up or down. The diagonal is uh, start with zero, if the coordinates 0, 0 is marked and the coordinates 1, 1, which means 1 down and 1 over, plus the coordinate 2 down, 2 over, which is in general the free space, which should be marked. Right. And, you know, the position of 4, 4 and the position of 5, 5. So if all of those are marked, that represents our diagonal from the top left to the bottom right. And then we have a slight variation on that, which just subtracts one of the coordinates for the bottom left, bottom left to top right, which then covers our uh, diagonal. Uh, so once we have that, we have a way to, after every move, the program can uh, knows whether or not you, the user, which in this case would be like, you know, me, Drew, marking my cards, uh, it's going to know when I think I have bingo because it can tell which of the tiles that I've marked on the card. Uh, the next step, and this is where I've stopped the application. So I'll, this the rest of this is going to be more theoretical, but I'll show you in the demo after this here. <laughs> uh, the next step would be I can mark off whatever tiles I wanted, but I may not actually have a bingo. I may have misheard or misread or mislooked at one of those tiles. Uh, so the last thing before giving me the win would be the computer has to look at these tiles, which I have marked as a possible bingo, and make sure that all of the all of the numbers on that tile actually are a bingo. And if they are a bingo, then uh, yay, you win. There'll be a uh, a little uh, firework or something that goes off. <laughs> so, so let me add a complication to you. I've mm -hmm. didn't talk about was the four corners. So how does it recognize the four corners? And then the other thing is, is typically a bing, like some bingos are just a straight bingo, diagonal, vertical, horizontal. Some bingo cards re require you to get five bingos on one card. So mm -hmm. now you've got, you can get the four corners, you can get diagonal, you can get a horizontal, you can get a vertical, you know, whatever it is. And then there is the elusive coverall. So after you know, the five games. So let's just say you played five games, five games. Then you have a coverall. And most people, by the time they've got five bingos, a coverall is like maybe 10 numbers left or 15 numbers left. I don't I don't remember exactly, but it's a certain number of numbers left. And so that person, so let's just say arbitrarily there's a prize of a penny every time you win, you, you make a bingo. So you got the five, you got five, so you got five pennies. But if you mm -hmm. get the coverall, you get 10 pennies. So there has to be a reward 
with each one. So what a lot of people do, um, when we end this call, I'm going to tell you a, a bingo app. I want you to go to the app store and download so you can look mm -hmm. at it. What some of the bingos do is like they put little, um, like a round button beside the number. So let's just say you played I-16. You click on I-16 and that gives you extra points. Not all the numbers on the card have that, that little round thing, but it's a little round thing to the right corner of the number. And it could be pink, green. And so up across the top, there's a pink one, there's a green one, there's a yellow one and an orange one. So every time you click on a number that coordinates to one of those things up there, you get a point. And after you get so many points, those things are able to distribute it. So you can either delay how fast the numbers come down or increase how fast the numbers come down or to play more than one card. There are all kinds of rewards that come with it. So interesting. in the bingo that we are talking about or that, that I have in mind, there's no financial reward. So you, you can't get anything from it, but you need to be compensated somehow or another for playing. So what a lot of people do is they give you these things. Now I will tell you, there are some extravagant bingo apps out there that you win. They give you PayPal money, you know, those <laughs> PayPal account. I don't trust that at all. I don't want anybody to have access. That's just frightening to me. Yeah. That I don't think it should be a financial compensation because it puts you the, the end user in jeopardy, right? Because mm -hmm. you got to give somebody your, your information in order to get this money. You can't just say, Okay, I won. I want to uh, receive uh, a cash app or something like that. You know, it kind of, they want to know your information so they can send you the money. Or if you lose playing by the rules, they could take out the money. So yeah. it's almost like betting or gambling in a lot of ways. So the rules of bingo have always been there's a reward at the end. So you win, you get a reward. So if you were playing bingo in person, and especially if you play a nonprofit bingo, the most you can win on any card is $100. Now, if you play in for-profit, like if you go to the Indian reservations where they have bingo, you could win a million dollars. You could win oh, wow. anything because they have different rules about that. So that the most states allow uh, Native American people to have um, gambling facilities on their property. And uh, there are no rules to what they have to abide by. They don't have to abide by the typical rules that are, if you and I set up a bingo parlor, we'd have to abide by. So right. it's important that as you develop the tile, you think about how you reward someone for every number that they get. And, and I don't mean every number. So what is it? it what, five times? I don't know what it is. But whatever the numbers are, whatever that amounts to be you need to have some random way to take numbers and give them a reward. So mm -hmm. something, give them, you know, a little dot up there that allows them to collect points or something, but something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point. And I would say that is like, that could be another attribute of our tile. Like these tiles are pretty much doing all the work. So in addition to coordinate uh, number, uh, marked Boolean, we could also have something like an extra points thing or something so it could be like well you know like the what would the right term be like a point aggregator or something where we say you know of the 25 tiles or the 24 tiles uh by default there all the tiles are going to be worth one point but we're going to randomize three of those tiles and those three tiles will be worth four points a piece or two points or a hundred points or really like whatever number you want. 
And that was sort of another interesting point of going through this process was like when I was looking at the logic to check, like, do I have a bingo? Like almost the first thing that came up was like, well, what if I have a bingo in the row column and, and the what if I have a row of bingo and a column of bingo? Like which one Happen counts? Both. Happen yeah. All both. Yeah. So instead of and that's where I had to sort of switch my thinking from instead of, you know, the function that says has bingo, which is going to be a Boolean of yes, I have a bingo or no, I don't have a bingo. That doesn't really work because what I should actually be getting is how many bingos do I have or how much how many points did I accumulate from all of these bingos? And that's what that function should be returning. Uh, not just yes, he has a bingo or no, he doesn't have a bingo. It should be yes, he has multiple bingo. He has some number of bingos worth 25 points. And maybe that 25 points equals uh, pennies, or maybe it equals dollars, or maybe it just equals points that you can be proud of. <laughs> but it has to be something that handles multiple, uh, more than just the uh, the default of one row or one column or any, any of that stuff. So uh, it's almost time for us to end. I, what I hope our listening audience got from this is one, you need to have a little bit of knowledge. Um, you, you, you cannot code. I mean, sure, if you went to a coding class or, you know, you could Google it. There are tons of things out there that might tell you how to do this. But if you just woke up one day and said you wanted to create an app, like so you wanted to create a checkers app or you mm -hmm. were chess or Pocino, um, whatever, whatever it is. It's not like you could just go and say, okay, let me, let me make, or, you know, let me go and create a an Excel spreadsheet that has all these tables on it and go from there. You need to have a little bit of sense about that. And so you heard you re reference Boolean. So Boolean is a term that's probably been around since computers have been around. And it simply refers to numbers. You know, it refers to numbers. So typically, yes and no are one and two, right? But you could go further, right? So you could go so in for those of you who are older than dirt, if you remember a symbol, assembler, FF was 255. Now, of course, it didn't follow strictly the Boolean rules, but it incorporated Boolean into those things. So if you were trying to perform a procedure that required FF, you'd have to have 255 in your code somewhere and reference what 255 does, right? How does it connect to some other... Uh, no, code number in assembler whatever but but boolean is really a fascinating technology you know and i think that any person who's considering it you should get a good sense of boolean um logic and how it works so that's the first thing the second thing is you heard drew talk about tiles and you know and all of these things it's complicated it's not simple and although bingo is a very simple game and they have, if you go into the app store, they have very simple bingos. You know, they don't require, you know, if you know how to play basic bingo, you can play it. There's no, nothing hard about it. But some of these others are fascinating the way they work. Um, you know, they have strict rules and those rules must be, you know, incorporated into the code or, or what Drew said, you know, it, these tiles to do whatever it is that you want to do. Games like Bingo, Pocino, chess, 
checkers are fairly simple because you have flat tiles and each mm -hmm. tile has a value. So if you're a chess player, you know where the king goes, the rook goes, so forth and so on. And then you know how they move, similar to what bingo does. So, you know, the knight can make a left or, 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 or turn up, make a left and then a right or it's the other way around. Uh, the rook can only go straight. The queen can go any direction. The king can only, the king moves like a pawn, you know, so, so that logic. So my, my, my advice to you is to listen to what Drew has said to you and consider, you know, if you want to write an, an app, you know, develop an app, know what the pieces and parts are and know how the logic has to work in there. And Drew, I ask you, so in the level of, of entry to creating an app, how would you rate the difficulty of a first timer or a person who did not have much experience with coding? I would say if we're giving it a 10 point scale of like uh, 10 means you need to be like an expert programmer that knows like the ins and out of assembly language and binary and a zero being someone who has never coded before making a bingo app, I would put probably around a four or a five. Like it's very, uh, I would say it's very like mid-level app development. And what I like to encourage people to do is when you're starting one of these apps, like, like when I started this little bingo app, like I was not aware of the rules to bingo, but that doesn't mean that you can't start it. Like, I think the hardest part many times in creating an, an app is just getting it going. So like for this, like the very first thing I did was like, hey, uh, bingo card is five by five. How do I actually display a five by five grid for a user? Like not thinking about the numbers, not thinking about bingo, not thinking about anything else, just like start with something very simple. And you may end up throwing that thing away, right? Like the very first bingo card that I made in this little uh, trial app, like uh, it no longer exists in the code. Like the concepts are there, but that very first one I did is has been completely replaced at this point. So don't be afraid to throw stuff away and uh, move on. And you're probably going to have to throw stuff away because, you know, you're not going to guess correctly everything this thing needs on your very first go. Right. And so trial and error, if you will. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and so a, a lot of, well, let me, I don't want to say that. My programming experience almost always started with Excel, you know, to take an Excel spreadsheet and try to figure out where this code goes. So like you can create formulas and functions in, in Excel. So, for example, if you were creating the B row, you in Excel, you could do that and you could set a value for B. So mm -hmm. it has a lot of the same if then or yes or no logic. So. But, but what I want our audience to get from this is like, you can create an app. You can. You might need a little bit of help. And there are tons of YouTube apps out there. There are tons of things that you can find online that will help you. But be prepared for there to be challenges. Be prepared for the app not work the way you are. If you've been a, a programmer or worked in programming, you know, we fail many times before we successfully create the app or the product we're trying to create so you shouldn't mm -hmm. get frustrated by that you should know that that's a part of the process so i encourage you to consider making an app you know i've always wanted to create an app you know and um i think we talked about this drew and i talked about this a little last week you know so many 
maybe 2015 or somewhere around there, a Apple came out with this software that you could create a, create code with. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, it was challenging. Um, it wasn't simple. You know, it wasn't easy. But people who are mathematically gifted, people who are scientifically or logically gifted or analytical, it, it might be simple to you. I am analytical and logical, but not in the way that it applies to math and science. You know, I understand the linear functions of, you know, following through when I got my PMP, you know, the same thing, you know, I understand all of that, but there is a great deal of technology and need to know technology in creating these things. And sometimes they can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like uh, the math thing really hits home because like, if I look at something that needs advanced math, like that goes right over my head. Like I can't get that, but I can, <laughs> I can, I can add a one to everything. Like adding ones is like 99% of what a lot of the programming I do is, is a, okay, we're going to use this number and then we're going to increment it up or down. Uh, and a lot of times if stuff is harder, if you just Google it enough, like you can find the answer. Uh, it'll be on stack overflow or Google or GitHub or somewhere else. Like, Unfortunately, as cool as your app may be, like you're probably not the first person to uh, run into the run into all the problems that this app is going to have. Somebody else has run into it and probably posted it somewhere on the internet. But but I will say this: if you've never played bingo, if you've never played chess, if you've never played checkers, whatever you might be, I can tell you your app is going to be too simplistic for your users. So. Yeah. You know, if you, if, you, if you know vertical, horizontal, you know, diagonally four corners, and that's all you know, that app is going to quickly become not, 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 not good or not fun for the user anymore. Because once a person is either a bingo or have mastered bingo, they want the advanced pieces of bingo. They want to make the capital T. They want to make the capital L. They want the inside four corners. You know, all the other things. So your app must have some method of growing with your user knowledge. You know, think about an entry-level chess player, right? So a person who's good at chess, once they master chess, that uh, uh, pawn move vertical for the first time, you could take two steps or one step vertically. To, that That's gone because, okay, we already got that. Anybody who's ever played chess knows that, you know, what the, what the parts move to. But mm -hmm. now you want more challenging moves to win, right? So the object in chess is to protect your king at all times. So how do you do that if you're just moving your pawns, moving things up one or two spaces? You're opening yourself up for vulnerability and not protecting your king and may not make it to get to their king. So when you're developing these apps, develop them in mind with being able to go back and add to your code, what Drew said. So, you know, your first one, it does exactly what you want to do. You've worked out all the kinks, great. You need to go back and tinker with it again and add those next steps to keep your user or users entertained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also good to have like a Rochelle along with that. Right. So like for this bingo app that we're doing, like uh, in my quick Google of the rules of bingo, like that doesn't give any any like notion of, you know, bonus tiles or different types of bingo. Like with that, like you need somebody that plays it like Rochelle to uh, like give feedback and say, oh yeah, you know, this is fine, but just so you know, like there's 30 other ways to get bingos and those should all be part of the app as well because that's or what people like Rochelle that love bingo are going to want to do. 
right? Growing the app. You don't have to come out the gate with all of those. You come out the gate with the basics, but you need to be able to go back. Like, and Drew, tell me if this is correct. In, in your world of coding, whether you do it for yourself or for your work, you're constantly modifying and tinkering with the app. So you got the app in production, it's working, but you're always trying to make it better. You're yep. always trying. And that's true in, in creating apps for entertainment, right? So always finding ways to keep it, you know, entertainment. So the simple bingo app that's out there, you can tell the person who created never played bingo a day in his life. Never. Um, you know, they figured out how to create it because I guess it must be fairly simple. But um, for someone like me, it's not very entertaining at all. And I don't fool with those advanced ones that have all the gimmicks and all that stuff with it. I don't feel comfortable with that. But when I was younger, I was out in-person bingo person. I paid like 10, 11 cards. I love bingo. It's just so entertaining. But I also love chess, checkers. I love all kinds of games, you know, crazy eights. And all of those are games that you could develop digitally. The, the most important is that you understand what you create in your basic. You need to constantly be tinkering with it. And I think this is true for most successful programmers and coders, right? They create the app, they get it approved, it's moved into production, but you know, how can I make it better? You know, or if it doesn't work like, so I've had the bingo app, I'm playing it and the screen just goes black and then it closes, you know, so you got, and you lost everything you've done. In, in, in the real world, that is just disastrous. You, you, you've been, you know, coding and, and developing this thing forever and it crashes on the user and everything the user has done to date is gone. That's nightmarish. You know, that's the thing that techs dream about in their nightmares. You know, like, oh, my God, all the user's data is lost. The app has to be able to successfully abort and bring the user back to where they were, as opposed to having the user start all over again. So if it aborts for whatever reason, you know, your Wi-Fi dies, the program runs into a bug, somebody hacked it, whatever it is. It has to be able to fix itself and bring you right back to where you are. Because if it does not do that, it's not worth it to use the app. Andrew, yeah. is that right? You know, uh, what it, it absolutely is. And that's where really like you never really like stop writing these apps. Like if your app is in like use, there's never I would say there's like very rarely a time where you can say, hey, uh, I've completed this. This app is perfect. It's never going to crash for the next 30 years done like that's not a promise that you as a developer can make because operating systems change so maybe your code's not changing but the iphone is changing and the iphone is going to like the code your code is going to need updates to work with new iphone versions or windows versions or linux versions or any of that uh you're constantly going to find new bugs and your users are going to find bugs so like this is something that I found, I won't say funny, but interesting is like, if I'm testing something, maybe it's bingo, uh, maybe I'm selecting tiles and just the way, the way my brain works, I always select tiles from left to right. And that's how I've coded the app to work. But if we've got someone else out there who thinks a different way and you know their hands move from right to left instead of left to right, like that may introduce bugs that just like, just because that's not the way I behave, I did not know that that bug could exist and stuff like that pops up all the time. And that's where really good like uh, testing comes in and like having other people test as well, because we test the stuff that we know about, uh, but what we know about isn't necessarily going to be uh, what breaks. Right. 
I just want to thank you all for listening to us. I hope you got something out of this. Um, we all know how smart Drew is and, you know, the fact that he walked us through this app he created. And if I had to guess, you know, this wasn't hard for him to do. It was just understanding the logic of bingo. So I hope you understand that Drew is always the wiser one in these, these chats and that what we want you to get from them is something that's valuable and useful for yourself. So if you've been sitting at home thinking, hey, I'd like to create an app, this is a start. You know, we didn't go through a lot of the really technical things like, you know, where these tiles are, are created, where are they stored, you know, all that stuff. And we don't want to do that to you because I think that might be a bit overwhelming. This was supposed to be a very simple overview. And I hope you got that out. If not, write to us. Tell us what you want to know or what you like to hear differently in these. And if we can, we will circle back to this. Thank you for listening to Eminent Teachnology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon. Thank you.